This is Adam Shartoff, your host of FilmWax Radio. It is Friday, October 23rd, 2020. This is episode number 640 of the podcast. I live in the uh, country now. You know, I've been for eight eight years that I've been doing the show prior, or eight and a half, nine years. I, I was living in the city, so you'd hear sirens and other city sounds, gunshots. <laughs> uh, no, not gunshots, but you'd hear city sounds, car horns. Not so much car alarms anymore. That used to be a thing. But you'd hear car horns and sirens and that kind of thing uh, all the time in the background doing the podcast in, in New York City. Now I'm out here and the noises I hear, in addition to uh, just you know the whizzing of cars outside, uh, are the lawnmowers during the summer. And then when those kind of start to slow down, you start hearing the leaf blowers because the amount of leaves that are... And there's so many goddamn trees out here. I mean, I thought I would like that, that there are more trees, but there's just too many. So the guys out there were leaf blowing every morning, and it's not like a consistent noise. They kind of keep turning it on and off every few seconds, you know, because it's like blow, stop, blow, stop. So it is, uh, it's amazing how quickly that can start getting under your nerves. And then uh, I'm sure, sure there's going to be the snow blower in a few months, right? Uh, so there's no there's no end to it. So that's my beef. And as far as beefs go, that's not so bad. There's so much more to uh, be concerned about these days. But that's what's preoccupying. That's what's uh, that's what's preoccupying me. Um, that in this episode of the podcast. So this is a really special episode because I've got Wayne Wang on the show finally. I've wanted to have on the show for a long time. You know, he's definitely in that generation of filmmakers that I've been slowly getting onto the podcast. I think the last one from that generation that I brought on from, and when I say that generation, I'm referring to a crop of filmmakers that I grew up with in the sense of uh, I, I became a young adult and in the uh, 80s, and uh, I was just starting to grow into my own and um, started going out to see independent films. And there were these filmmakers, you know, but they include uh, Jim Jarmusch, Susan Seidelman, and Allison Anders, of course, Hal Hartley, and Wayne Wang, among others. Are they, do they all have to have alliterative names now that I think about it? Susan Seidelman, Hal Hartley, Wayne Wang, Allison Anders. Hmm. Now I'm beginning to figure this out. The trend there. Did you ever notice that? It's just a coincidence. Yeah. Anyway, I, I'm getting distracted. The The important po point here is that Wayne Wang is on this episode. And um, Wayne came on the scene in the 80s with a film called Chan is Missing, which was sort of like a film noir takeoff, if you will, uh, set in contemporary Chinatown, I think in San Francisco. That, but that was going, that goes way back. 
to like 82. Then he made a series of films that increasingly just found an audience, including Eat a Bowl of Tea, Smoke, Blue in the Face, Chinese Box, Made in Manhattan, Because of Winn-Dixie. Um, and then he sort of slowed down in the last number of years, but he's still been out there, and he has a new film that came out, that's coming out, called Ch- com- called Coming Home Again. It's about death, and it's about dying, and it's, uh, so, you know, it is that, but it's so worth watching. The acting is so good, and the direction is just so strong. We'll have Wayne Wang, Wayne Wang on in a little bit. First here, though, I'd like to bring this friend of the podcast, Mark Weber, is back. Uh, I believe this is his third visit to the podcast. Mark Weber has made a series of personal films over the last bunch of years, including The End of Love, The Ever After, Flesh and Blood, and now he has a one called The Place of No Words. Uh, we interviewed Mark last spring at Tribeca Film Festival regarding this film, and uh, now we have him back uh, to because the film is now available I think as of today, October 23rd, on streaming platforms. So you can see The Place of of No Words. We also have joining him one of the actors in the film, Nicole Elizabeth Berger, who's delightful. Mark, when we did this on Zoom, I was here up in the Hudson Valley. Mark was in The Whales, and uh, and Nicole was in New York City. And so uh, we did it. It was a lovely time. We enjoyed it. I'm going to mention the film again. It's called "The Place with No Words," and it's a uh, it's a kind of f- film that pivots between f- fiction and reality. Uh, dad is is dying, and uh, he has a very a very little child. And the way the child sort of processes this information is by uh, kind of indulging in this fantasy world. And so you're never really quite sure where, where if you're. <laughs> how much of this is real and how much is it imagined. It keeps you kind of leaning into the film. It's a very beautiful film. It's shot gorgeously. I mean, it looks like it's, it's, it's looks like it's this studio film, frankly. Um, I don't know. He's very ambitious, Mark Weber. It's why I'm interested. Well, one of the reasons I'm interested in having him back on the podcast because he's so creative uh, and does things very much in the DIY uh, vein, but, He's interested in an audience. Uh, so, you know, he, I'm going to recommend you see his films if you haven't seen them. Uh, the Place with No Words also includes, uh, in the, among the cast, his son playing his son, Bodie Palmer, and his wife, Teresa Prom, excuse me, Teresa Palmer. And again, you can see these the film on uh, most of the streaming platforms. So why don't we just go right into that? This is it. This is... Uh, uh, Mark Weber and Nicole Elizabeth Berger here on Film Wax Radio. Once upon a time, words began to vanish from the language of children. They disappeared so quietly. Will you stay here with me? Enter the wood with care, my love. It deals in things that are missing and things that are hidden. I don't know if there ever really is a right time. There's a wrong time, and it's never. You believe in magic, don't you? Am I dreaming? I see the whole world in your eyes. What's happening? The thing that you saw will continue to grow. 
Hi. Hi, Nicole. Hi. Might, are you, she's muted. You're still muted. Yeah. So. You just have to uh, unmute. Yes, yes, yes. I'm trying to reposition the, the camera. Hi, Nicole. Hi. 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 I'm good. Go it's so good. It's good to oh, see man. you. It's when was the so last time you guys saw each other? Hmm. <laughs> When was it? Um, November. Yeah, that's of right. last year. Yep. It's a while. It's almost a year. I know. Yeah. yeah. Right? It was at a, at a oh festival. Oh my God, it is almost a year. That's right. That's mm -hmm. crazy. Yeah. So, all right. Well, let's introduce, let's introduce everyone, meaning the both of you. Mark Weber, actor, filmmaker. Hello. Screenwriter, multi-hyphen. Would have I left anything out? I probably have. Um, I would have producer. said actor too. Huh? <laughs> producer. What? Producer. No, that's yeah. an important one. That's a very important one. Mm -hmm. And uh, Nicole Elizabeth Berger, right? Yes. And you are a an actor, model, and I know there's one more. Are you a musician or something? I'm a pianist. Yes. You I are. Classical piano for eleven years. Really? Mm -hmm. So wh where do you perform typically? Um, well, or do you uh, not typically perform? <laughs> well, not, not at the moment. Everything's been postponed. I understand um, that. Yeah. But I started playing the piano when I was six. Wow. Um, my mother is a classically trained violinist, so she brought a wonderful sense of music to our family from a very young age. Um, so I kind of caught on to the performing bug from her. <laughs> Beautiful singer as well, too. Nicole sings. Oh, thank you. <laughs> and you, you can sing as well. I, I do sing, yes. Well, now, what style are, you, are we talking <laughs> Um, I enjoy Broadway, especially. Okay. All right, let's see. Uh, <laughs> sing something from Carousel. Go. Um. <laughs> or Wicked or whatever you want. And last question. I know this is about the place of no words. Yeah. Last time I was struggling. I don't know if you remember, Mark, but I was struggling, mercilessly struggling with, with the title, just botching it every opportunity. I don't know. That's um, right, yeah. But I've gotten through that tick with much therapy. And Thank you. I, I, I appreciate it. I can now actually uh, promote the film properly by using its correct title, The Place of No Words. And when you were just a uh, piano, I, I assume because your mom, you said, was a violinist, I assume you mean she, you play classical piano. Yes. Although you have you been able to figure out like show tunes or the, the song book, as it were, in order to accompany yourself if you wanted to sing a show like one of the show tunes? 
yeah, for sure. Um, um, I, I don't usually accompany myself on the piano just because I prefer the classics. Um, I gotcha. But I, I have, okay. yeah. Well, I won't be surprised in a couple of years when things have normalized as far as musical theater again, and we can go see musical theater, whether on Broadway or elsewhere, <laughs> that you may be in, in a cast of one of those musicals. <laughs> I hope, fingers crossed. Yeah, seriously. Thank you. Sure. And you live where? Where are you located or based? Uh, we're currently based in New York, but we spend time oh. on the West Coast as well. Sure. Oh, so you're in New York. Okay, very good. And Mark, you're, are you in uh, currently here in the States? Never no, I'm, I'm in Wales. Okay. I'm, <laughs> I'm in Wales. Yeah. So it's, uh, let's see, is it about five o'clock? What is it? Four, four? four? Yep, it's four. It's four o'clock here. Yep. Where are you right? You're in New York right now, right? Adam? I am in New York State. Yep. Uh, typically, okay. I was living in New York City. Last time I saw you, I was a resident of New York City, but that is no longer the case. I'm now living in the beautiful Hudson Valley. Oh, cool. Just about 100 miles north of New York, due north. I'm right like seconds or minutes from the Hudson River. Cool. That's great. Uh, get me out of here. I can't stand it. I got to get back. <laughs> I can't do it. I can't do it anymore. <laughs> what, have I, what, what, what did I do? <laughs> Uh, make, sorry, sure. Flash make sure it's good no it's so great up here and right now as you know it's 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 like just spectacular with the uh the foliage and everything it's it's really beautiful so i'm I'm really happy yeah so and i'm you yeah. know i and i just saw like for instance uh i'm sorry just give me one more second i promise we will make this about your movie uh which will be by the way available <laughs> october 23rd yeah. The masses. I went to the drive-in at the Woodstock Film Festival, which is, takes place up in this area, Nicole, just just as a FYI for you one day, if you get up here. And um, I went to see Josh Leonard's uh, new movie at yeah. a drive-in. That was a yeah. lot of fun. I, you know, I, I saw that on social media. Yeah. And that's that. so awesome. I really, I'm, I'm really, I really want to see that movie because um, Josh and Jess, we all made a movie together called The Lie, and wow. so I'm yeah. super keen to see that. And then also, you know, it's crazy. We're, me and Nicole, are about to play two drive-ins ourselves. Oh, do um, <laughs> tell. That's yeah. that's a nice, yeah. nice segue. Very well done. You, I Thank told you, you the host. You like how I set up. Uh -huh. um, <laughs> I clearly don't know what I'm doing, so you should host this segment. <laughs> I'm asking about classical music and show tunes when, but I'm I'm curious about Nicole. Anyway, go ahead. So, so no, talk so about we, the drive-ins. Yeah, so Nicole and I were premiering the film um, in LA in the parking lot of the Palladium in Hollywood, pop-up drive-in, and then and then also uh, we're doing a drive-in in on the fairgrounds in west palm beach in west Florida. palm beach yep on, on okeechobee the, boulevard i've never been to west palm <laughs> nicole, grew up nicole going there my grandparents lived in century village <laughs> so oh, wow. which is like a the the original retirement community um <laughs> i don't know nicole if you have grandparents or great grandparents anyway so they they 
my parent grandparents in the 70s i think it was they moved down there my grandmother so i grew up going to west palm beach to visit them so i know it and the main drag is called okeechobee boulevard oh wow in case you need to that's navigate. a great so you, name you, <laughs> well they have a lot of names like that down there are you uh planning on going there in person or are you going to do a remote q a no, no we're going to in person okay yep. It makes sense. It's like your big premiere. You've put all this work into this incredible film, this remarkable film. I'm talking about the foliage up here. Like, uh, and yet if you look at your film, my God, it's staggeringly beautiful. And Thank give you. a shout out to yeah. the cinematographer. I know it's Lucius. Patrice Lucien Cosette. Oh, Patrice Lucien Cosette. Yeah. Oh, very good. Okay. Well, why yes. don't we get Luci? Patrice on here. That's my question. <laughs> yeah. We should get Patrice on here as well. You should get Patrice on here at some point. He Maybe. is the best. I will. Now, it was shot, I'm going to guess, and in, in, I don't want to guess. Uh, we talked about it last time. So uh, we, did you shoot this in Wales? Yeah, which is why it's pretty crazy to uh, be sitting in Wales here uh, while reminiscing on the film and actively promoting the film and thinking about it and being just a few hours away from so many of our locations. So how did you guys connect then? Because it sounds like it, it, it typically for something that wasn't of an enormous Hollywood budget and your films, you are known, we know that your films are very DIY Mark, that these are your productions. This is maybe your fifth DIY film or something. It is. Yeah. Yeah. And and we, Oh no, I was just, Nicole and I, right as I um, had finished the script, we met uh, on a film called Clover. Okay. And we both were acting in that film and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing because I go, what's been great for me throughout my career is being able to work as an actor and have met so many amazing performers along the way. And it's like, oh my God, this is amazing. I have a part that is perfect for made you yeah. Yeah. yeah and um and we went from making that film together kind of right directly into to making this film which was really extra special as well too you know yeah no i nicole you're you're really perfect in that role it, as a matter of fact whenever i hear the word gossamer i'm going to think of you forever <laughs> <laughs> and i you know hear that word all the time so you'll be my thoughts uh, how did you explain the role? And then you'd have, I mean, it was probably exciting, the opportunity to go to Wales, right? It was incredibly exciting. Um, as Mark said, we worked together previously on a film called Clover. And one day while we were filming, he pulled me aside and asked if I would be interested in playing a guardian angel in his upcoming fantasy reality film, which was set uh, to film in Snowdonia, Wales, of all places, which kind of sounds like a magical destination in its title. Um, but despite the more obvious obstacles of filming in the bitter cold of, of January and, well, not, not speaking of a word of Welsh, um, I jumped at the opportunity, read the script, fell in love with the storyline, and about two or three weeks later, my family and I were settling into our new home for the next two months, five hours north of London uh, in the mountainous region of Wales. It's only five hours? Yeah, five, I believe. 
like a drive you mean train ride yes. yeah train ride yeah. Yeah. i've taken the train to scotland from london mm-hmm. and to up to like merseyside area the liverpool okay. manchester area so but i have not been to wales if if there is a sequel just i'm just saying <laughs> just keep me in mind i'll do i'll just get the coffee or whatever i don't <laughs> i'll bring the hot thermos to the actors you know uh, I'd like to be. I'd like to see Wales. Um, so it looks so gorgeous, and I don't think a lot of people think about Wales as like you know a, a, a typical place for for a film because you were more accustomed to other parts of the British Isle, uh, the you know UK or what have you. But Wales is under under uh, 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 presented or what have you. You know. Sorry, I just, I, I got distracted for a second because Teresa knocked on the door and asked for the car key. <laughs> well, have her do a cameo. Is she there? Maybe she won't want to do that. I, I don't want to put anybody on the spot. Uh, no, she's out with the kids. Hold I on, see. guys. I got to give her the, give her the car key. And there's a bevy Sorry. of these. That's okay. Take your time. There's a bevy of children, too. It's like, uh, he's got, what happened? Four kids? I'm sorry? He's got like four kids? Yes, he does. Insane. I have one and I, I, I can't keep up. I don't know. Um, just to add on to that, I think the most challenging and yet somehow the most beautiful part of working on this film is dealing with the location for filming. Um, filming took place on a mountaintop here, Sardonia National Park. And we spent most of our free time in a one-room bungalow with uh, an adjacent house that we all used to get ready for filming. And we all became very close, as you would imagine, given the surroundings. Um, I, I think there were more sheep than people, if I remember correctly. <laughs> but um, oh, nice totally. traditional Welsh food cooked for us fresh by the family um that owned the farm on which we filmed many scenes we had karaoke sessions nice um, i'm sure you enjoyed that what was the uh typical meal that maybe you were you were served what's a, t- a typical welsh meal and don't say welsh rabbit i, I won't believe you no we what you know what's funny because when you just said that nicole i was like what was the thing there was a they made something in particular. It was similar to Toad in the Hole. But oh, yeah. But, mm-hmm. I'll have to do what is, But what was it? Wait, what was it again? I can't remember. Like, what? It... <laughs> I do Toad know it's friendly. What is that? I don't, I'm not familiar. I'm... Toad in the Hole. It was... Um... She's, oh, you don't be looking it up now. Oh, it was like a pastry thing. It, it was a pastry. It was like, it was like um, okay. Oh, okay. Like the, but, the, but like a, a savory, thing. but like a savory. Savory, yes. yes. Okay. Yeah, exactly. okay. Yeah, that sounds like Welsh rabbit too, I think. I think Welsh rabbit, I think I, I could With be wrong. In, in, in Greek, I believe. Yeah, that does sound like a Welsh meal. Well, that's good that you had the, the local sort of cooking. I, that's exciting. And I had a lot of French fries too. Sure. Well, yeah. 
nothing wrong with that. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> um, and you had to, you know, you had to be, you are playing a sort of a hardy, uh, or at least in certain sequences, right? You're a, a hardy warrior type. So it's important to keep the weight up. You can't be frail and, and survive those Welsh winters, you know. No, but. lots of potatoes. And the, uh, the, the film, the story pivots between uh, not only, well, I think reality and fantasy. So we're talking kind of about the fantasy sequences there, right? You feel, did you shoot the, uh, the, the other sequences, the more what we'll call real life sequences, for lack of another term? I mean, if you have a better way of explaining it, correct me, please. But maybe those scenes that were they shot in LA? Yeah, they were, they were shot in LA. Mm -hmm. um in our in our house and with at our friend's house and right uh at our favorite park in the neighborhood you know to make it yeah. feel as real as, as real as possible right and uh well again that's not untypical for your films yeah yeah that's right um totally i'm right and <laughs> so did and nicole Sorry, you... it's, i got we have this the zoom lag happening now on my end. <laughs> no problem. No problem. We're doing great. <laughs> the, is the, uh, Nicole, did you, were you familiar with Mark or his work before Clover? I, you can be honest. Could you repeat the question, please? Absolutely. I say, uh, were you familiar with his work? Did you know about him and his work? I don't, not necessarily have to see them all, these films, but these highly personal films that he makes. Yes, I, I was actually. Um, answer. Vaguely, vaguely familiar, yes. Understood. Okay, very good. Now, you know, two months, you mentioned two months in, in this, uh, on the set or location. That's a lot. I mean, nowadays, by today's standards, most films, uh, again, on a, a relatively small production would be like, you hear two, three weeks now, it's so, it's so small. But you had two months, so no wonder, first of all, that you, you had such a great opportunity to bond, as you said, you know, and to really create a community there and get close. Um, that's a lot of time. Um, yeah. Right. I mean, typically, Mark, I'm sure you've worked in much less time than two months. Yeah, no, it, it was. It was a it was a really good amount of time. And, and time is, you know, the best thing that you can have when you're making a film. You know, if you can have as much time as possible. Um, and also, I, I think we were so stretched out in that amount of time. It wasn't like we were shooting for like two months straight. Yeah. We had a, a bit of time in between when okay. we came from Wales to L.A. But, you know, a lot of it, we work around um, the fact that Odie, being as young as he was when we made the film, could only shoot for maybe an hour or two. So sometimes our days um, weren't really that that long oh true I, I seem to recall this part of the conversation last year or yeah it had to be last year when we met at Tribeca yeah yeah right yeah look I mean I was kind of curious to see him now because he's I'm sure like really shot up and everything you know yeah it's crazy he's like it's funny having our film as a point of reference of of him being three and and because I forget in a way it's almost like he's he stays that age in my mind so much and and but then I look at him and I'm like oh my god you're he's like a little little mini giant now um, is he six and, or is he how old is he yeah he's six he'll be seven in February 
Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, it's been a while. Man. Yeah, so he, he's really had to... So what does he make of himself and uh, when he watches the film? Well, he hasn't watched the whole movie through okay. yet, but he's getting very angry with me because he feels it's appropriate age. He's an appropriate age to watch the film now. Um, he's also he, let me know that being one of the stars of the film, it's ridiculous that he hasn't been able to see the film yet. <laughs> and, has, uh, sort of has a case there. He has a case. I, he has, he's made excellent points and he's, he's yeah. wearing me down. I, I definitely, but I've shown him, you know, sequences. He, he, every time the trailer comes on or we'll play if we're posting it or something, he'll, he gets such a kick out of it. But then uh, he loves watching uh, like, the robot battle and i've shown him us that's a great crossing episode. the swamp and um but yeah we, it's getting to the, the point the now farting, where he's like the farting a swamp yeah i mean yeah, there's just... nothing better for a six-year-old little boy and totally. watching that with his little brother they're like oh my god and then forrest my littlest boy thinks that it's real on some level so now oh yeah it's like he holds Bodhi in even more of a high regard because of the oh, wow. fact that Bodhi had a real sword, which Bodhi reminds Forrest of every single day when they get into their fighting with the play swords that he actually had a real sword before. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Zooming from home, he, my son, that's my son. Um, He's also, he's grown up with that. His mother is an actor, so he's very used to uh, that. I, I, but he hasn't had any interest in acting. That's the difference. And I'm wondering, though, with the subject matter of The Place of No Words, which premieres and drive-ins end, I assume, on certain streaming platforms, or maybe it's, on, maybe it's virtual cinemas. Well, we're, is you know, it going to be on virtual cinemas? It's not going to be on, like, streaming platforms, per se, right? It's going to be on... It's so crazy this time right now that literally with with our distributor, we're down to the last minute. Probably we're going to know more about okay. any of the theatrical component about a week out. Right. Um, that's just the nature of it right now. But yeah. we're we're up for we're available for pre-order right now on Apple and then we'll be on. OK, so you are on streaming platforms. OK. Yep. Yep. Okay. Yep. And it, okay. So it's going to premiere also. Uh, I I just think I just saw that one day, so I don't want to misspeak about it, but I'll certainly make sure I know uh, before this gets posted that both the drive-ins and the and the and the online version, the online option I should say, are available yeah. October twenty third. You know. Yep. Some people are doing the virtual screenings, which is through like theaters. Uh, there are websites. You know as opposed to going on, let's say, Amazon or Netflix or what have you. I mean, eventually yeah. it does that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. But getting back, I just want to get back before we stop. Uh, just curious to know what Bodhi, who is in this movie so young, and the theme is so intense, it's about, it's about death and life and death, and they're just this kind of figuring that out within the relationship of a parent and a child. And... But now as he watches it, what does he make of that yeah, story? Yeah, you know, because you know, I'm sure he tuned more into all the sort of special effects and the, like you said, the the robot battle and all that, but there's a lot more going on, right? Yeah, I think, you know, it's, 
I think we're living in such an interesting time right now. And, you know, yeah. Bodhi's well aware of what's happening in the world. He's happy. Okay. He knows that there's this, this virus that's in the world that we're all having to live a different way right now because it's hurting people and, and people are dying. So uh, it's, it's at the forefront of his brain right okay. now, really kind of wrapping his head around his yeah. even just mortality in general. Um, and I think that uh, he's like any person, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't ever want to imagine anyone dying and, and, and certainly not, you know, mom or dad. Um, and it's, it's, it's just at that age where he's starting to kind of process these things. So there comes bits, moments of fear, you know, and worry, mm -hmm. um, little yes. innocent things that kids say little, little happen probably usually when he gets really tired before bed, just kind of check in and like, you know, dad, mom, I don't want you guys to die. You know, these little vulnerable yeah. moments. Yeah. Um, sure. And, and, uh, you know, I, I've explained to him that, you know, me and mom and Nicole and you, we all made this movie uh, to help with those feelings that you might be feeling right now. You know, that feeling that you feel, you feel a little, a little, pit in your belly or your heart starts racing or you start to get afraid and you start to get worried. Um, we all made this film together to help with those feelings. And so he has uh, a sense of pride, you know, and he feels happy to be a part of something that's attempting to, to help with those feelings. Mm. He sounds like a very special kid too, you know, just very special. I, I, you know, I like that being able to make a movie with my friend, Nicole, my little boy and my wife is just, it was a dream, but sorry, Nicole, you're, you're about to say something. Oh, I, I was just going to add that Bodhi is an incredibly smart and eloquent young actor. I, it was amazing how he was able to, deliver his lines and fully immerse himself in the role. Um, and I feel like the film has even more relevance in today's COVID-19 world where so many people are facing a multitude of challenges and having these difficult but um, necessary conversations with each other and their children. And while there's no timetable for grief that hollow feeling of emptiness is shared through the innocent eyes of a toddler who grapples with concepts that are really difficult to deal with at any age and he does so with this childlike sense of wonderment and I think the film manages to convey a strangely optimistic and freeing image of death without questioning about the afterlife. Well, that was beautiful. <laughs> you know, that, that was, was very eloquent, really, really eloquent. And Mark, what better, what better uh, ambassador for your film than than Nicole? <laughs> I know that's amazing. You 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 embody who you are in the film, 
right now, yeah. you know, with <laughs> the way true. that you're explaining the film. That's really incredibly poignant. Yeah. <laughs> well, I hope everybody that lives near uh, the drive-ins, any of these drive-ins, but you'll be in, again, we'll say you'll be in uh, at the Palladium in Los Angeles. There's going to be a pop-up, which means they set up a screen and um, they'll have it set up to maybe a certain number of cars, um, cap capacity, so it's safe. Uh, you tune in your radio at a certain frequency, so you can listen right in your car. And it's awesome. I did it the other night and uh, had a great experience. So, um, and, and, and did you mention another, you did mention one other place where there's a, unless I'm mistaken, right? Where there's a- Yeah, no, on the, on the tw 21st, we're doing um, in West, West Palm Beach in oh, Florida. Oh, right, West Palm Beach. How could I forget? We're having another screening there. And then also too, it's, it's a pre-order it, pre-order it yeah. right now. And because also too, when, you know, you're uh, an independent film like us, um, if people pre-order the film, we get a better shot at better placement, you know, cutting through and sure stands out and people maybe think, Oh, let me, let me check this thing out. So that, that's sort of on another level works for podcasts as well. Just saying, yeah. <laughs> there you go. there's a, there's a quite a uh, population now. So uh, when I started yep. this, it wasn't quite so, uh, yeah, populated is the word. And now it's like, every, when I started, I was trying to get some advice and I had to really kind of work hard at finding somebody who was doing a podcast through just my connections, you know? And uh, just to figure out certain things about tech, on the technical side of how you do this thing, you know, on your own. Now I could just walk to the closest neighbor and interrupt them while they're doing their podcast and they're, right. you know, because everybody's doing a podcast uh, just about. Anyway, um, it's a beautiful film and uh you know again i think we're going to just take a clip from what nicole the way nicole just uh articulated it and uh yeah. use that to, to to describe the film the place with right. no words and stars and is directed by mark weber and Teresa palmer is uh, in it and bodie palmer and uh did, right it's bodie palmer right yep okay Nicole Elizabeth uh, Berger, and uh, name a few of the other actors in there. We got Eric Olson, Sarah Wright Olson, and Phoebe Tonkin. Very good. And again, it's shot by Patrice. 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 Cochette. 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 Okay. Yeah. Okay. Have a safe trip back to the States. Thank you. Is Bodie going to be there too, or is he staying home with mom? or? No, but he's going to stay here. He's going to stay in the, okay. Yeah. I, I'd say that probably makes a lot of sense, <laughs> given, yeah. the, given, the, uh, given the situation at hand here. And, oh, so nice to meet you, Nicole. And I, 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 even despite the chaotic nature of this. <laughs> <laughs> it makes it great. This is great. Everyone relates. This is the time that we're Only in right because, now. yeah, it's the way, you know, now you're, you find out more about people because everybody's doing things out of their house now or their home so that is my in fact my teenager and he's uh he just moved in for the fall so i'm very excited very happy about that i have a roommate <laughs> <laughs> so it's lovely he's uh i should show him the film actually i'm going to show him the film right please do mark it's it's such a great it's so nice to have made a kind of a relationship here and 
you know, to support you and your films over the last few years. And I hope that continues. Yeah, me too. Thank you so much, Adam. We appreciate it, man. You bet. Take care, I guess. It was lovely meeting you. It was nice meeting you, Nicole. I hope it was a, not an unpleasant experience for you. Not, a, not at all. <laughs> okay. And I hope Nicole. you... you <laughs> I, uh, I know it's you haven't done a lot of press and but I hope you uh, uh, I, I hope there's uh, you know more work coming uh, even through this period of time and uh, yeah because uh, you. very talented thank you guys yeah Nicole I'll see you soon see you in a couple I'll days all oh, right bye. all right bye bye guys all righty Today also marks the premiere of this intimate, poignant family drama called Coming Home Again, directed by uh, Wayne Wang, about a mother, a son, and the burden of family expectations. World premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival and now begins its theatrical premiere run uh, as of today, October 23rd. Uh, the film's main character, also named Chang Rei, played by the charismatic Justin Chan, a first-generation Korean-American, returns to his family home in San Francisco to care for his ailing mother, played by the uh, actress Jackie Chung, wanting nothing more than to fulfill his role as the supportive son. He must come to terms with his own conflicted emotions. Uh, The film, uh, again called Coming Home Again, takes place over the course of one full day, during which Chang Rae attempts to prepare a traditional Korean New Year's uh, Eve dinner like the one his mother always cooked for the family. The care and precision that goes into preparing the meal gives him time to reflect on the intense relationship uh, between them. Memories become a doorway into a woman who was so much more than the mother he thought he knew. Uh, The film uh, premieres through virtual cinema and theaters, bookings uh, across the United States, Canada, uh, including, I might add, the Angelica, the Film Center in New York, uh, the Lemmy Theaters in Los Angeles, plus Boston, Chicago, Cleveland, Denver, San Francisco, Washington, and 30 other additional cities. This is a pleasure, a joy and a pleasure. It's my joy luck director, Wayne Wang, here on Film Wax Radio. You know that you're the favorite. I don't care. I made a mistake about Exeter. You should be with us for that time. I never should have let you go there. I've always thought it was particularly cruel that the cancer was in her stomach. 
And for a long time, she couldn't eat. I'd taken a leave from my job in New York to help take care of my mother. My mother's specialty was kalbi. She would take a thick slab of short ribs and slice with great care so that the bone fell away. Though not completely, leaving the flesh connected to the bone. The meat needs the bone nearby, she said, to borrow its richness. Tonight would be New Year's Eve. I was going to make my mother the meal she always cooked for me when I came home from school. You don't have to call anymore. I've made my decision. I'm not, I'm not coming back. Your mother has suffered so much. I, I think we should let her go. Absolutely not. Appa, that's ridiculous. Who's going to cook? Who's going to do laundry? Appa can't even make ramen. My job is to be your son. Good. How are you? Good. Thank you. It's nice to meet you. Nice meeting you. I appreciate your uh, making the time. You're doing a lot of uh, interviews leading up to the, the premiere. Uh-huh. Yeah. So where, which, uh, which uh, site are you on or which, what are you doing the interview for now? Sure, sure, sure. It's a it's sort of an interview format podcast. And I've been doing I've been doing it for some time. Um, right. You know, I'd say the the majority of guests are filmmakers, but I I bring on anybody kind of with a stake in a <laughs> you know in the game. And most 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 of the uh, films that we discuss or or filmmakers projects are tend to be independent films or festival type films or personal type of you know what I'm saying. So. Well, that's good. I mean, we really need those uh, so that, you know, there is an alternative and there is people talking about, you know, these different kinds of films. Yeah, choice, right? Yeah, yes, absolutely. I know I was having this very conversation, uh, Wayne, um, because people are like, well, you know, I was saying how I I, I'm now looking at, I'm watching festivals online and, you know, people are, and then somebody, the person I was talking to said, yeah, well, people can find, now it doesn't matter geographically where you are. You can, if you're in San Francisco, you can attend the New York Film Festival without <laughs> having to yeah. fly to New York. And, but I'm like, yeah, I guess, but for the majority of people, they still don't know where to begin or the, the whole idea of festival films, films that nobody knows about, <laughs> you know? And it yeah, sort of just and being able to find them somewhere, you know, uh, yeah. it's not easy. You know, we used to have Criterion, Criterion kind of lost its streaming service. There's a new one, but you know, it's 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 a little different. Uh, sometimes yeah. it's a little hard to find because I was I was I'm, I'm very interested in a lot of Japanese films. There's a 
There's oh, a zoo. director who, who works a lot with, with women uh, material and Naruse. Uh, I was trying to find whether I could download something on that, but no, I have to buy it, you know, uh, I see. the DVD. Anyway, right. so it's not yeah. easy. Right, so it's not easy for Wayne Wang, let alone average average Joe. Yeah. So, <laughs> so anyway, so, so I guess what we, pr- we try to do is to create, you know, some people like myself who are doing a lot of the legwork, and then we say, okay, on October 23rd, there is this very special, powerful film coming out by the, this, the director, Wayne Wang, called Coming Home Again. And mm-hmm. it's very beautiful and uh, powerful. And it's going to make you, as a, as a, as a viewer, it's going le- to leave you with a sa- satisfied appetite. And it'll stay with you. And you'll be thinking about the film. And you'll feel, well, you'll feel. Yeah, good. <laughs> so, <laughs> exactly. You, know, you think a lot about your mother and her cooking. That's and- right how you love her, but also uh, sometimes frustrated with her. And also you'll think a lot about the transients, the trans, you know, how, how life is not permanent. It just comes and goes and you have- Mananoa Ware. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yeah, um, I, I, I had an interesting, maybe you can, you can respond to what I'm gonna say here because my mother, has dementia. She's very, very advanced. I, you know, I bring it up on occasion uh, uh, in my conversations when it's, you know, pertinent. And I, I, you know, Wayne, I had such a complicated relationship with her when she was healthy and when she could communicate and, and I would hold on to past grievances or resentments for her not being perfect. And, and, and then when all of a sudden she was helpless, immediately all of those feelings vanished and then I was thinking, well, if they could just vanish in a heartbeat like that, why couldn't I let them go before? So, you, yeah. <laughs> you know, we're very complicated people. I mean, animals. Yeah. You know? Exactly. And, you know, and, you're, and our relationship with our parents, whether it's father or mother, always are, are, are more, one, more than one dimension. It's not just emotional and, and, and loving. There's also this other side to it. And, and, you know, most of the time, uh, films don't really deal with that. Um, I think it's important to deal with that. I mean, I had the same thing with my mother. Um, and when she got started getting sick and weak, I, I finally found a way to kind of communicate with her, which is we just go out to the courtyard and sit in silence. Because mm-hmm. the more we talk, the more we get into trouble. And then True. all my frustrations would come up again. But in the silence, there was something, you know, more, more calming and communicative and not, not, you know, about sort of fighting about something, you know. Mm-hmm. So in a, in a way, it's like you say, in a one second, you know, it can be gone. So why don't you take advantage of it and try to do it? You know, in my case, she was still uh, at least, you know, conscious and, 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 and alive. So anyway. When was this period of time with your mother, by the way? Like roughly chronologically, when was roughly, that? Roughly six or seven years ago, you know, mm-hmm. it was. Yeah. But 
It's interesting because your film, which is, again, called Coming Home Again, was based on this short story, or excuse me, not a short story, an essay by uh, Chang Ray Lee yeah. in, in 1995. Yes. That was now, written, it was biographical. You know, Chang Ray wrote it probably yes. as his first sort of serious piece that he wrote, and it was published in The New Yorker. Um, mm -hmm. And I read it probably in the late 90s or even the early 2000s when I was working with him on, on something else. It, I kind of shelved it away for a while. It, 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 it emotionally kind of hit me, but I'm, okay. I shelved it away. But then when my mother passed away, it, that short story came back and I was thinking about it a lot. And then I, my, my producer, Don Young, uh, was saying that his grandmother just passed away and there was an apartment three blocks away from where I live. Oh, right. A yeah. lot of the history and the spirit of the place is still there. He says, you should go look at it. And I went there and a lot of things came up, you know, about my mother, about the short story. And we just, and I just said, well, I don't care how much money we have. Let's have a small crew and make a movie about this. So that's how it all happened. You were, I know I read in your, in the production notes uh, that the, you were, when you were making Hollywood films, uh, more yeah. of your, you know, time was spent in the, with bigger budgeted Hollywood films around the time of Joy Luck Club, et cetera, that you started having health problems. You said, I'm wondering how this, how this was for you. Obviously, it sounds like spiritually a very positive experience making the film. I'm not discounting possible emotional difficulties doing it, but how was it for you psychologically, uh, physically, et cetera? Well, you know, towards the last part of making the studio films, you know, I, I, was, I wasn't seriously ill or anything, but I was always kind of tired. I have headaches. I right. I, just wasn't well. I wasn't physically, you know, uh, 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 good. I uh, went to the doctor. Doctor said I'm just not breathing right, uh, and it's probably because of the stress, because of my personality, which is always kind of anxious. Um, so anyway, I when I did this film, uh, you know, I've, it's been a few years since I've worked on a studio film. I just it was very relaxing, you know, because in a way I could go to the set and we start rehearsing with the actors and I find that there was a problem with the script uh, or there was a problem with the dressing on the set. Um, I would say, let's discuss it. Let's take two hours if we need to, three hours if we need to. If we don't want to shoot today, we can do that, you know? And I wasn't under the stress like in a studio film, I remember on, on Made in Manhattan, we had sometimes very emotional scenes, which the actors took a while to kind of gear up to, towards. And, and we were already on our third penalty, a meal penalty, what they call. So you have a crew of more than 200 people and each person was, was uh, given a penalty of, of $100 every time. So it adds up to like thousands and thousands of dollars if you don't stop shooting and, and eat your meal. So anyway, uh, th those are the kinds of stress that's that I yeah. don't need. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can imagine. But the pressure is right. I mean, and I, 
Well, let me just ask it rather than suggest the answer. Okay. But the, the pressure is for you as a filmmaker, right? To keep it, keep growing, right? The, the, the projects keep getting bigger, right? But yeah, it, it, it always is that if you, if you could take the pressure, you could take the stress and the film becomes successful and then they, they, they give you something else. You can't get away from it. That's sort of what, I, what happened to me with a string of two or three films. They were all pretty successful and I, I ended up just kind of doing one after another until, until I did Last Holiday and it was, it was a long, long shoot in Kalovari, which is uh, really cold in the winter and we were shooting there and everyone got sick. And I didn't get sick until the end and I got really sick. I got, I got pneumonia from shooting that film. Oh, wow. That was a lesson to me to say, you know, you can't do this anymore. You know, just, just you know, relax, do something else or do something where um, the stress isn't, isn't that way. I mean, the, the stress was also related to Paramount Studio at that time was changing administration and people were changing. People didn't, didn't uh, want to do the film to begin with. So there were all these different kinds of things that were pulling at us. Mm. The other, the other, you know, uh, uh, great story about all that was, uh, I, I, I used a great music composer. His name is George Fenton. He's done a lot of great films. And then, uh, even before he wrote one note of music, they fired him. You know, they said, they said, Oh, you know, the, the temporary music we were using for the previews were not good enough. And I go, that's temp music. You know, why are you firing a guy before he even starts writing a note of music? He was nice enough to come on early to sort of learn about, you know, how, how we're editing the film, how we're working towards something. Anyway, that's sort of the, 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 um, the uh, difficulties of, of some of the bigger projects. But yeah. then at the same time, you get other rewards. So Sure, sure. Right. Well, like, I mean... Um, yeah. Go ahead. Well, for somebody like myself, I'll find a Wayne Wang film regardless of the budget. So I'm glad to see that I was really excited for the opportunity to see the film and, and then to potentially talk with you and, um, you know, have this very conversation. So... <laughs> so how much of the character and, and he kept his name I, I'm trying to remember yeah. Chang Ray uh, in the in the film the, the the central character the man whose mother is who's dying he's taking care of her and well, it, it fo yeah. it's a sort of takes course over this of a, pretty much a single day where he's yeah. there and uh, she's stubborn about her independence and this is something very typical many people go through but how much is uh, how much is of this character is on that written page in that New Yorker article from way back, and how much of this is all, is uh, kind of also an amalgam of that guy and you? Well, first of all, it was the the short story was very much uh, biographical. I think he was pretty true to himself even when he wrote it. Uh, I'm sure there is some embellishment in there, but he. He wrote it pretty much, you know, uh, uh, according to his own character. When mm -hmm. I came in, I really respected a lot of it. Um, 
I, the only thing I, you know, I asked him to help me with all the dialogue scenes, which most of them came from the short story, but there were, there were other ones that we kind of created also. And there were other scenes that we created. For example, I asked him, you know, what was also going on during this period that's not in the short story. So he said, oh, you know, the, the, the Koreans are very religious and the, and the church groups would always come around bringing food and, and, mm. and talk to you. Uh, so that scene was created and we found some real church people, uh, Korean church people to come and do the film. And they were nice enough to just be themselves. So there are different things that we embellish, but the towards the ending of the film, you know, the, the, the dinner itself uh, in the short story was very poetic and kind of accepting of, mm -hmm. Mm. of the mother dying and, and very uh, more relaxed. Whereas I pushed the conflict between the mother and the son more and had a little more drama to it. Um, because otherwise we all felt, and the, the, the actors were kind of feeling this too, but it, it would be too flat maybe. So mm -hmm. we, we really worked on the ending in a different way and really embellished it. Yeah. And, and, uh, and Chen Ray would, came along uh, with the ride too. I mean, he was gone while we were shooting, but by the, by the end of the shoot, oh. we shot it in sequence. He came on and he, we had the, the discussion and he helped us write those later scenes too. Yeah, there's also a, 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 a sister. It's it's a it's a very interesting dynamic that happens, right? Mm -hmm. um, one 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 preoccupies themselves, uh, so you don't have to, uh, you know, sometimes deal directly with some of the painful aspects of losing your your parent or somebody you love. So she immediately wants to seek uh, uh, solutions and uh, right and and get her their mother into uh, some sort of better care and uh, to take care of business where where it seems like the brother is more accepting and trying to honor the his mother's uh, yeah. decision to uh, to die at home I, I you know right before I, I I shot the film I was reading a book by a by a doctor called Atu Gawandi who wrote about his own father, you know, having gone through operations and chemo, decided that he wanted to, to, to kind of end his life in a more natural way, rather than, you know, more medical and more chemicals and, and you know, dealing with all that. So, the, the, and there are two schools of thoughts these days, you know, there are, there's one school where you kind of do your best to, 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 to medically treat whatever you have, and then and then at a certain point you relax and just let you live out your life uh, in a, in a more comfortable way. So I, I was kind of going through those those uh, two poles of things, and I I used the sister to kind of push for a more uh, medical you know solution still because she says, oh, there are all these new treatments you can use. Um, you know, cell replication or whatever, all these things people are using these days. And uh, so anyway, I, I, I use that to kind of, again, create a little more conflict for the film. And I think that's what something all of us have to deal with now is that if we get to a point where, where, we, where we need a lot of medical attention, do we keep 
going through that or do we just say stop that's enough you know uh, uh, I want to be kind of in a more more I want to go home I want to relax and just live my life out it's a very personal choice I guess <laughs> isn't yes, it it is isn't it, it yeah is. yeah well again the name of the movie is called coming home again and it will be on virtual cinemas on the 23rd of October, which is coming right up. I know Do- producer Donald is in the background, uh, uh, silent. Uh, I- I'm mute, but I'm, w- I'm just wondering, is it in addition, is it just on virtual cinemas as-, as of October 23rd, or will it be on any streaming platforms, or is that like phase two of the... I think there are some theaters that are showing it. Yeah, me- like Angelica in New York. <laughs> hey, Donald, like- can you hear us? Yeah, we're still trying to figure that out in terms of sure. streaming and, and next no problem. steps. Yeah. Well, it's nice that we have the the this uh, virtual theatrical opportunity for the film, you know, and and it's an opportunity for, for, for movie lovers to support their local arts house cinemas as well. Like like uh, the Angelica, it's a chain, but it still sh- it shows particular types of films, which a lot of the bigger chains don't show, like... Right. Coming home again, potentially. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hard for any theater these days, but for yes. so-called independent art house theaters, it's it's really difficult. So it's a chance for people to go support that and and see it on a big screen, where you know it, it, the, it, you, your eyes can kind of wander a little bit and find things within the frame because it doesn't cut all the time and cut away <laughs> really fast. So anyway. I, Another benefit of working on on this size project, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Again, I think it's more nourishing, frankly, and gives people less of, (laughs) I don't know, I think you come out feeling a little more just uh, in a state of more peaceful state, let's put it that way. Yeah. More thoughtful. Accepting uh, accepting of the... Yes. Yeah. yeah, of the transients of life, so to speak. And also, you know, you, you, if you watch carefully, you learn to cook three Korean dishes. Well, we there you go. The test everyone who's seen the film. You should be able to pick up, you know, there's every ingredient that's used, how it's cut and prepared. And, you know, they're, they're, they're very homey type dishes. So they're not fancy restaurant dishes. So, but they're really tasteful. I think I saw some glass glass noodles, right? Yes. Uh, one, yeah, that was a which is a glass noodle dish, which is quite easy to make, and you can you can you can use different kinds of ingredients with it. You know, vegetables, meat, uh, yep. or just vegetables, and glass noodles uh, are, are wonderful. So if you're out there and you're listening, for Pete's sake, bonus <laughs> bonus content built right into the film, no extra yeah. cost. Yeah. <laughs> And we're all cooking at home quite a bit now anyway. So I know, yeah, that's right. So you, <laughs> you run out of ideas, go see this film. You have three dishes you can try out. One yeah. is a fish dish, one is a glass noodle dish, and one is a, is a short rib uh, one. Oh, fantastic. <laughs> Glad you brought that. You buy from a Korean uh, or Asian market. <laughs> I, I, you know, I know we're going to have to wind down here to respect yeah. your time. I know you've got probably a bunch more of these things to do today, but I, I think we're going to have to have a part two at some point because, and maybe we can do that after you're done with uh, this particular project. So you'll have some time because one of the things I know that came up in my reading about your making the film is 
the representation of uh, Asian uh, Asians and uh, and Asian Americans in in popular film or in film in general. And uh, it's also been now is it twenty five years since Joy Luck Club, or thirty? Yeah. yeah, twenty five. I don't know. It's a, yeah. more than twenty five. A little more than twenty five. Yeah, because we just had there, a celebration at the uh, Academy uh, on the Joy Luck Club. It was twenty five at that time. I remember uh, reading the book on a flight. Uh, it was near the end of it. I left it on the plane. I had to buy a second copy in Europe somewhere, try to find an American version of a second copy because I, I was so close to finishing it. <laughs> so that's my memory. Of, but I, you know, of reading the book anyway, which, but we'll have to do that part two because also uh, I, I feel like, you know, the Asian American is sort of the last ethnic group that's, uh, that's fairly represented, I think, or is, seems like, um, yeah, there's a lot of push these days with Black American cinema, but still not quite enough. I, at least from my perspective about Asian American films, you know, there's there's crazy rich for for twenty some years after Joyla Club, almost nothing happened, and then you know, yeah. uh, Crazy Rich Asians, Farewell, and some romantic comedies came up uh, by Netflix and. You know, I still feel that they're kind of in a certain mode um, that doesn't quite get 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 deeper enough into the complications and the contradictions, uh, the, the 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 you know the love and hate of all everything in in, sure. in that culture. So anyway, I love to talk more about that. So we'll do a second part. Thank you. Yeah, that'd be great. And Donald. Uh, one more thing. Uh, so where do people go just so we make sure people can find which are, I know Angelica, I saw that caught my eye and immediately remember because I'm from New York City. So I, I know that's one of the virtual cinemas, but where can people go to get more details and buy tickets? Yeah, go to Outsider Pictures, our distributor. They have a list of all of the virtual screenings and releases that'll be coming out this week. Thank you. Uh, we'll we'll put the links up on the podcast to make sure that uh, people know where to look. Also, we'll we'll just make that available. Um, thank you so much, Wayne. Well, thank you, Adam. Good talking to you. Same here. All right. Best of luck with the film. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Thank you, Adam, for your time. I'm glad this all worked out. So. Oh yeah, you. it's it's great. It came out great. He's terrific. Okay. Hello. All right. Have a good day. Bye. All right. You too. All right. Bye, bye, guys. Bye. bye. Oh
we'll be back in a few days with a new episode. I, I do want to remind you, if you're still listening, that the YouTube channel is just bursting out all over, meaning I have been uh, trying to do my bit to support the independent film landscape, the festivals that are almost entirely doing their work on, uh, you know, virtually, which is difficult. And so what I'm trying to do is introduce you to some of these folks, the people that are putting these festivals together, as well as other directors that are on the podcast uh, uh, and, and, and actors and and. Uh, musicians, etc., and putting it all on the YouTube channel. So please do check out youtube.com slash filmwaxradio and, and subscribe because you're going to see like these both of, uh, well, you'll see the Mark Weber, Nicole Berger uh, conversation is on the YouTube channel. You can actually watch it. And um, we have so much more. Else, again, almost every day I'm posting from various festivals. Uh, I have been uh, watching films from since the last few week, uh, month or two from the, the New York Film Festival, Woodstock Film Festival, Indie Memphis, uh, the Montclair Film Festival, uh, the Virginia Film Festival, and I've got New Orleans coming up and a bunch of others because um, we're just trying to do what we can during this very, very challenging time. Uh, so check out the YouTube channel, subscribe to that, share it with your film-loving friends and family. Please do subscribe to our podcast. Uh, as you know, it's on Apple Podcasts. It used to be called iTunes. Uh, we are on uh, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and Google Play. So it's very easy to find the podcast. And uh, if you want to engage with us, I'm I'm following. I'm always on the Facebook and, and Instagram and Twitter feeds, um, all uh, which are uh, slash Filmwax Radio. So please do um, engage. Thank you so much. Take care of yourselves and the ones you love. Until next time, vote. Vote.